Hello, everyone. This is the We Watch 100 Isekai Podcast. I am Thermite Kitty, and this is Tequila Zaku. Yo. And we are watching. And we are the high school prodigy podcasters. Uh, I think we're both pretty far out of high school at this point, right? Well, maybe. You know, it's fine. High school is a state of mind. No, no. <laughs> uh, that, that, that sentiment is something where I want to accept it, but as long as there are creepy old people and creepy people in general in this world, I, I feel like the term age is just a number can never be used. <laughs> Hard stop. Not That's allowed. true, but high school doesn't need to correlate with age. If you get held back enough, you can be 26 in high school. Mm, you can. If there was a podcasting <laughs> course and we were submitting this as our final project, we would probably be held back. <laughs> but you know who doesn't get held back? The high school prodigies in another world, Fermite! You could say that high school prodigies have it easy, even in another world. Alternatively, you could say, Chojin Kokusei uh, Tachi wa Isekai Demo Yoyu de Ikiniku Yodesu. You could also say, yeah. Cho Yoyu. <laughs> That's kind of a silly sounding abbreviation. Yeah, I, I like that abbreviation. It is extremely silly, but it, it's got a ring to it. Oh, okay. Man, this show... <laughs> this is... The dumbest show we've seen this entire time we've been doing this podcast. And that is, is like saying a something. Hollywood movie. <laughs> I mean, even a Bollywood movie tends to have the a big explosive. St like, it tends to be very like, this is very, very tropey. This is very meh. And then you get something very explosive. Whereas I, I don't know if I'd call any of this. Like, the whole thing is just extremely strange. Just really funny. It's just... It's going all out. It's not holding back. There's no token normal kid among the main characters. It's all very much like, what if, like, I, I'm going to bring this up again later, but I think the whole, like, I like the part where it is, like, what, seven absolutely nutty, like, super genius kids going to another world, because... Honestly, that makes the attitude they have, even though it is almost the same attitude as every other protagonist we've seen, make mm -hmm. way more sense in terms of them being just like, I'm in another world. Take stock! Get our advantages! Where are we? Aha, I'm immediately adapting to the situation. Mm -hmm. As opposed to that being like a socially inept, like 21-year-old neat out of college. Yeah. This makes a lot more sense. <laughs> That said, I the feeling I get, like, I have watched more than one episode of this just over the course of my life. <laughs> and see. The, the feeling I get every single time I consume the series is this is the series written by people who comment in the comment section of Dr. Stone videos on YouTube. It is the, <laughs> I hate how weak Senku is. If I were writing the series, Senku would have a gun and he would be super badass. And also, he would have been the pri Prime Minister of Japan. <laughs> Also, what if he had one red eye and one blue eye? <laughs> Man, this show is so over the top. And I don't think it knows what it's doing fully. I think it's trying to be cool, but it's it's so funny. It's hard to take seriously. Like, it's the eight-year-old that's left home alone and puts every food they like into a big pot and boils it. Mm-hmm. It's like I want all of my favorite isekai tropes. What do you want your main <laughs> character to be? I want all of the cool main characters. They have a cool cyber jet plane. In an isekai world? Yes. And also they're ninjas and journalists and I want to be a fireman when I grow up and the prime minister. Do you remember? Do you remember in Doctor Stone when they, there was an arc about generating energy, and it was a difficult process? What if instead they had a nuclear reactor? <laughs> this show is so dumb. This is the dumbest show in the universe. Okay, so oh, well, let's get into it as we we, we gotta get into it. Do you have any it. details on the studio? 
the studio is Project Number Nine, which is a smaller studio. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard of that one before. Yeah, I don't think they've done anything we have seen thus far. We will eventually do Didn't I Say to Make My Abilities Average in the Next Life, which they put out uh, about four days after High School Prodigies Have It Easy Even in Another World. (laughs) 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 They did both of those series simultaneously. (laughs) Man. But yeah, a lot of their other stuff is very, like, uh, no offense to anyone who likes their stuff, but it's all stuff I haven't really heard of, like Rokyo Bu or Girls Beyond the Wasteland or Higehiro, bottom tier character Tomozaki. Like, I've heard of all of those at least once. <laughs> They're all just that tier thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, not not super big stuff, but it seems like they do decent enough work. Like, they're a pretty young studio, and they've been consistently putting out content. Yeah, I think they're doing okay for themselves. They do not seem to be the mighty number nine of studios, which is what I was concerned with. Now, can you tell me anything about the source material? Presumably Light Novels? Although, honestly, this one might be a manga. Uh, it was uh, a light novel. The um, light novel writer and illustrators don't have Wikipedia pages or anything. I couldn't find much about them. I see. <laughs> Where was this published originally? Uh, it was published by SB Creative, which is like a physical like light novel publishing place. Like this was not a web novel beforehand. Yeah, that makes sense. This as. Dumb as this is, this does not feel like a personal wish fulfillment fantasy. It was also, like, pretty hard pumped out. Like, uh, 10 volumes came out between tw- uh, 2015 and 2020. So that is two volumes a year. And it does, like, have a very clear endpoint. It is not a, this is just going to keep on going forever series. Okay, interesting. Because so far it doesn't really set up any sort of lasting plot elements outside of the usual isekai stuff. So yeah. I wasn't sure. I'm really curious, like, not enough to watch the series, but I am curious to know at some point, like, how, what is the end game? Like, do they just do big capitalism in the in this world? Do they renovate the whole thing? Do they go back to Japan? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Not right. us. So, do they get Max? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, legitimately, they probably get Max in, like, Volume 5. <laughs> They do have the world's top inventor with them, after all. (laughs) Okay, so, when we start off with an elf girl, she's carrying a basket of eggs, she's got a wolf girlfriend, they see a CG plane crashing, blah 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 blah, don't care about it. The reason I... That is, by the way, Mm -hmm. that is wolf girl friend, not wolf girlfriend. Something that would be far more badass. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) No, they're definitely heterosexual. Now... (laughs) The reason I skimmed over all of that is because we have five straight minutes of the narrator introducing the cast. And oh boy, is it a fucking cast! Uh, I mean, to, to say this straight, I'm not against long character introductions, but this, this none of this is a long character introduction. This is... Like each Just character a gets a lot of characters. It's a very short. It's short for each one. There's a lot of characters. Also, the narrator does a lot of padding. Like I'm not going to say this every time, but just know that the, every time I describe one of these characters, the narrator said, "By the way, they're in high school." Yeah, big like Danganronpa, super high school level Tony Stark <laughs> vibes. Yeah, it, it doesn't have as much flavor as Danganronpa though. No, not nearly. God, this wishes it was Isekai Danganronpa. So, there are seven Japanese high schoolers who are the best in the world at their respective thing. As out of, <laughs> And boy, does it get ridiculous. Out of respect, <laughs> the world has chosen to refer to these people as high school prodigies. That's really anticlimactic. Imagine being the best at, like, whatever. Like, imagine being the best surgeon in the world and merely being called a prodigy. Isn't that worse than just being called the best? It's also like not a good group name. Like it highlights the fact that they're young, but it's not going to last very long by virtue of them eventually getting out of high school. Yeah. Like, you know, it's no Akatsuki. If the Akatsuki were introduced as high school prodigies, you'd get a much different energy from them. (laughs) (laughs) High school prodigies have it easy in another hidden village. (laughs) 
that's oh my you're on a fucking roll today <laughs> okay so let's introduce some of these characters by means of cheap and easy comparison to better known characters <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, on a satellite we are introduced to Ohoshi Ringo who is a soft spoken girl she's got a little beanie she's got a pink AI buddy and she is the world's greatest inventor the world's greatest bargain bin Sengoku Nadako. <laughs> Imagine very soft, very cute, very, you know, uh, quiet and small, but also she can make any sort of technology. Also, she has a big hat. Yeah. <laughs> Bangs. Shy. <laughs> That's enough from her. Yeah. Ichigo Aoi is the world's top swordsman. We are introduced to her like she's in a purple kimono. She's wearing sandals. She's got a katana and she is racing towards two military men in the middle of a desert shooting at her with submachine guns. And she's just slashing the bullets out of the air and she kills them. This is, I think, the wildest introduction for any of them. The satellite with the like laser gloves was pretty heavy but this is by far the most on one this show gets this entire episode with her in the middle of an active war zone cosplaying a fucking samurai it, it gives me this weird energy of like like we, we see another character who is in a war zone and that one makes more sense to say like okay if you were the world's greatest at this thing i get why you would be here i'm not totally sure why the world's greatest swordswoman is in the middle of a war zone fighting people with her katana in fact i would say almost all of the other prodigies barring maybe the inventor have a and the magician have a better reason to be in a war zone yeah but no, she is so good at sword fighting that I guess even the military sent her to participate in a fucking war at like age whatever, 15, 16, or she just rolls up on war zones and fucking kills people. I can't decide what's a worse or better explanation. I want to believe that she is like, you know, the various common writers in the novels and like, you know, the manga spinoffs where after the end of their series, they kind of just like wander into war zones and beat up everyone there in order to make it peaceful. Christ. <laughs> oh, wow. What a celestial being she is. Hey. Next, we have Kanzaki, so. Kanzaki Kena, who is the world's greatest doctor. She's a, a tall girl. She's got two big, blonde, poofy twin tails. And she's. She does nothing this episode as far as I could tell. I don't think she had a speaking line. Uh, she is described as uh, her medical talents make the human lifespan itself a flimsy concept. <laughs> <laughs> and we just see her sewing up a wound in our yeah. tent. Yeah, it's implied but that she's also in a war zone. Yeah, but it's kind of hard to tell like what's going on first since she doesn't really talk. Yeah. Uh, next, we cut to Sanada Masato, who is the world's greatest entrepreneur. I would Man, this guy is already on all the hot Bitcoin scams. Oh, yeah, he is <laughs> pumping and dumping Dogecoin as we speak. If you want to imagine this man, imagine a high schooler who owns his own air fryer. <laughs> imagine In a... Dubai. Imagine Isekai main character. Imagine black-haired fuckboy in an unbuttoned business suit. Yellow eyes. I sure hope this Vince man. Dirk. I sure hope he doesn't go to another world and take capitalism with him. That would be awful. No, don't introduce capitalism to my world. I mean, the one the one bonus might be that he might remove capitalism from our world, considering that he has a hand in thirty percent of all monetary transactions acro across the globe. <laughs> That is an insane concept. He is personally or, responsible for one third of all financial movements. That's a lot of money for someone who can't legally sign contracts without their parents' permission. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the people who desperately need their parents' permission. <laughs> we are introduced to Prince Akatsuki, who is a Shota Bates blonde haired little boy who looks like he's eight. He, he is the one where I look at him and I'm like, he can't be a high school prodigy. This boy can't be in high school. <laughs> he's definitely distinctly doing like a job at, at a show, but I guess hmm. most of them are. 
Like, I like, are they doing high school in the background? Are they like actually participating in high school activities? Where do they find the time? Yeah, I so unlike. <laughs> Unlike, you know, another illusionist from another series who might whose whole deal might be, hey, I'm in a rural area and yet I can do cool magic tricks in order to surprise people and, you know, get a small edge. Uh, we, we never learn in any episode how Prince Akatsuki does any of his tricks. In fact, they are arguably not tricks. He might just straight up be magic. <laughs> they may- are pretty nutty and have almost zero stage preparation and he just does completely off the wall that's not possible with stage magic kind of shit yeah. but you know it's fine it's fine I mean you know we never super high school prodigy they, they I never guess play, if one what? of them can just make space satellites and laser gloves it's fine to assume he can pretend to make the Statue of Liberty disappear yeah, that one I'm questionably okay with, but we'll we'll go further in. We'll we'll get something that I'm extremely upset by, but I shouldn't be. I gotta accept it. <laughs> if you choose that to be upset at in this episode, oh boy. Next we have Sarutobi Shinobu, who is descended from the ninja Sarutobi Sasuke. She is the world's greatest journalist, but we never see yeah. her like writing anything. She no, just she kinda, should be in a war zone. Her main deal is just she's a ninja. She's a ninja. Yeah. That's it. They call her... She does all the classic gag manga ninja shit, and also she has a cat mouth, I guess? And she goes nin-nin. She almost only goes nin-nin. She's kind of like a Pokemon, much like the other sword girl, who also mm-hmm. only, I'm pretty sure, says Degozaru this episode, and nothing <laughs> else. They are mostly here for support, but I guess at least they get to say their dumb little catchphrase as opposed to the doctor girl. Yeah. Do you notice a trend of all the girls in the team not getting to say things this episode? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> I- I'm really genuinely surprised that the mangaka didn't just go for she is the world's greatest spy. Like I, I'm surprised she did. They they bothered doing the whole like, oh, she has espionage skills and she runs like the school newspaper. I'm fourth greatest ninja. I'll use this to run my school newspaper. I mean, it probably is the world's greatest school newspaper. I mean, one of them is already presumably busy destabilizing the Middle East. Might as well be two of them. Actually, if one of them is the world's biggest disentrepreneur, that's definitely multiple of them destabilizing the Middle East. Yeah. Okay, finally, we are introduced to Mikugami Sukasa, who is the character I would describe as being the main character, at least in episode one. Like, it is an ensemble series, but he's definitely the MC. He is the boy I described as being uh, the big smart man with one red eye and one blue eye, and he is the world's greatest politician, which we know, of course, because he was elected prime minister of the world's greatest country, Japan. Not only that, he was re-elected prime minister. This bitch was like, must have been prime minister when he was fucking 12. And uh, we, uh, so we know he was elected, well, presumably he was elected prime minister via the current system. Because when we see him being re-elected, they do mention that like Japan reformed its entire voting system to be a more like direct uh, representation system. And then he got re-elected. So it is a, like, they changed the rules, and yet he was still able to win. He is the person that all of Japan wants as their prime minister. I guess at least he stands for democracy? I mean, so far there's no indication that he'd make a bad prime minister or anything. But also, man, I wonder what fucking the boomer vote margin for this guy is, and how the fuck he got voted for by them. Yeah. Maybe they got confused by the gray hair and thought he was just an old person. <laughs> that is the ultimate power move. The young people oh. know he's young. The old people think he's old. Otherwise, maybe he's just got good ties with the Yakuza. The people in between look at his right eye and they assume he has a Sharingan. <laughs> he's got the weeb vote on hot lockdown. I guess he's also friends with the... Lot richest man on earth, which must help you get elected. 
Ah, oh, yeah. Like, uh, they all have extremely powerful skills, but also, like, I, I gotta imagine that, you know, Sanada Masato being the world's greatest entrepreneur is... I, I gotta imagine the, the fact that he is connected to the world's greatest swordsman and the world's greatest person who can, like, break into places and steal their files and the Prime Minister of Japan. Like, I, I feel like there's gotta be some conflicts of interest here. People with guns. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people probably benefit from their relationship to Sanada. Mm-hmm. Like, Sanada has some has them erase his files of being on the Epstein Island. <laughs> it's possible that Sanada just bought the Statue of Liberty for Akatsuki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, where do you get the money from as a high schooler to build your doomsday satellite if not from the world's richest high schooler also just kind of fucking around or maybe being into you mm-hmm. so. I mean I, 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 the only one I think has to has a reasonable chance of not being super rich in their own right is maybe the doctor and the like reporter cause mm-hmm. the magician you can't be a stage magician in, on that on the level of making the Statue of Liberty disappear and not have a wad of cash in your backpack. And you don't you have to have money to be able to waste your time fucking around playing vigilante on an active battlefield. Yeah. Whereas I can believe you just going through the box doctors without borders thing if you're just a doctor or like a reporter just doing reporter shit. Mm-hmm. So, Sukasa, our, uh, I mean, we just introduced seven characters, so I will I forgive you, the audience, if you don't know. Job title. Yeah. Sukasa, our world's greatest prime minister, wakes up in an unfamiliar bed. Uh, the elf girl from the start tells him, don't, don't move. But he's like, oh, the prodigies, where's my friends? What's going on? And he looks around, and they're yeah. like, they're all in the same room. Like, there are just eight beds I, in this room. I... No, this is a low standard, but I appreciate them introducing him as not a terrible person. <laughs> like, at least he shows, like, he's not the worst. He's not, like, any kind of, like, super edgelord, despite his edgy as fuck look. Yeah, they actually hold back with basically all of the prodigies. Like, I'd say the only ones that feel bad are, like, Sanada Masato for being rich and <laughs> I'd say Akatsuki for being racist <laughs> also the girl that's just fucking around killing people on a like presumably somewhere in an active conflict in a crisis region yeah I mean at the very least she was killing soldiers she wasn't killing like civilians which is something I have to you know point out in an isekai well she was killing militants yeah True, I guess, yeah, we, we don't actually know their affiliation at all. I just can't really trust the high schooler's judgment on fucking around on an active battlefield. I feel like we've seen plenty of anime on why that's a bad idea. Yeah, fair. Like, uh, going on a battlefield with full self-confidence as, like, a teenager actually way worse than the alternative. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, speaking of the battlefield of politics, yeah, our prime minister boy wakes up. Yeah. The elf girl introduces herself as Lee Rule, uh, based on, of course... Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you looked up what the elf girl looked like in the slave demon king reincarnation Ishikai, pretty much that. Yeah, the uh, blonde-haired girl who, I I mean, her name is Lee Rule. She was based on the concept of (laughs) the word Hyrule from The Legend of Zelda. (laughs) So... She, you know, she's an elf girl. She's wearing green. Yeah, you know her look. She's got a bit of a thing going on. Yeah. And now speaking of the thing she's got going on. Oh, boy. So she tries. She makes some goat's milk stew for Tsukasa. Everyone else is still asleep right now. But, you know, they're they're fine. They're getting better. And he takes a sip of it, puts it in his mouth, and he spits out the meat. Or, like, the meat falls out of his mouth. He can drink the broth. He can't chew the meat. And Lyrill's like, oh, you won't recover if you don't eat meat. <laughs> so she picks up the meat, chews it herself, and then kisses him. And then we, it, it isn't just the classic, in the kiss, she must have moved the food over. Like, we, we do see her open her mouth, and the chewed up food is on her tongue, and she, like, sticks it into his mouth. It's extremely graphic. 
It's a really big making out scene. There's a close up on them. You see them come apart. You see mm-hmm. the tongues. You see like a like fucking bit of drool in between. It's so much. And this is something that I've never seen a live action series do, but I've seen multiple anime do it. They managed to sell the vibe of she doesn't understand what is going on and he also does not understand what is going on. I, I don't think she is taking advantage of him in the scene. I think she's just unbelievably stupid. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be the vibe. She's just like, oh, wow, I don't see what's romantic about this. And then in the middle of the kiss going, wait a minute. This isn't me baby birding this food into his mouth. This is me baby birding this food into his mouth and also a kiss. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So she blushes and she's like, oh, you, you can eat like that. And he, the, the prime minister of Japan, thinks about this for a moment and goes, okay, it would be bad manners to say no. Please, baby bird, more stew into my mouth. <laughs> she takes another spoonful. She puts it in her mouth. She starts chewing it. And then uh, the wolf girl walks in. Uh, we get her name, Winona. And Lirul thankfully chokes on the broth and is like, it's not what you think it is. Which is funny because she came in after they already pulled away. Yeah. So if she didn't say anything, that would have been fine. What a dumb girl. (laughs) (sighs) But it's fine. This is already much better by the sheer fact that they're both around high school age. And Mm -hmm. one of them isn't like 30. It's okay. It's a bit leery. But, you know. Yeah. (sighs) So... Uh, Sukasa is immediately like, oh, okay, they got a weird way, of, uh, they got a weird way of dressing, but they're speaking Japanese, so we're, we must be in some sort of European country. But then <laughs> uh, he notices uh, Winona's tail, and he feels it, and it's clearly warm, and she's like, hey, you've never seen a Buma before? They're all over the place here in Frasigard. And then we cut to his face, and as he's hearing in echoes, Buma, Frasigard, Alton. <laughs> <laughs> we hear it echoing in his head and he goes oh we're not in japan anymore <laughs> that's impossible i'm the prime minister of japan how could i not be in japan i know all words and these aren't words i know about <laughs> i know the best words these aren't the best <laughs> words this isn't japanese <sighs> he he gets, also, to be clear, he doesn't just feel up her tail. He gives, she gives him a tail to feel and go like, see, it's alive, it's not fake. Yeah. Uh, he decides to go check out the plane crash with them. And he, he, like, just off a glance, he's like, okay, the wreckage is here, but this does not look survivable. I don't know how we survived this. Big lost vibes. And then he kind of hard cuts to, we must have gone to another dimension. Which he's not wrong about, but, like, it is the big... He jumps to that pretty quickly. Yeah, but, you know, he has super high school level assessing assessing the situation abilities. I feel like for, like, this crazy, like, <laughs> the ultimate prime minister high schooler, uh-huh. it's fine. It makes a lot more sense for him to be this cool with the situation this quickly than for the average neat. Yeah, and I do like the way this is set up in that he looks at it, he decides they must be another world, and then a dragon immediately passes overhead, and uh, Lirul and uh, Winona are just like, oh, hey, it's a dragon, that means good luck. I thought the dragon was a bit much. I like dragons being tweeted with a bit more gravitas in my fantasy stories, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So, you might be wondering, how is everyone going to adjust? We don't get that. We skip one month ahead. All the prodigies are at the recovery party. They're doing fine. Except they apparently talk to no one in that one month and nothing happens, so it's fine. They are no one coped with anything. No one asked any questions. It's okay. Don't worry about it. They were playing Skyrim and they went to the uh, move one day ahead thing and they just jammed on that 30 times. Where the hell, by the way, where do you think they were going in their plane? Like, where do you think they wanted to end up? Where were they coming from? What were they even doing yeah. together? Why are they hanging out? What are their common interests? Because we saw, like, we saw them all around the world. 
And um, yeah, Inventor Girl what? did say that like she had an appointment to get to. So and it was her magic airplane. Sorry, hmm. science airplane. Science airplane. <laughs> so, I mean, hmm. yeah, I guess we don't know at the moment, but it it also feels very dangerous to have the seven high school prodigies all on the same plane. I feel like you know you should probably well, take them. Yeah, it's a super science airplane. They can trust it normally. And to be fair, we don't know that there's only seven of them. We just know that there are, you know, these extremely smart kids known as high school prodigies. It's possible there are more, and these are just the seven that have to be friends. That they didn't have a super high school prodigy level guy that makes it so airplanes don't crash. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, Akatsuki's freaking out because there's some little kid, Buma, around that are, you know, just like, you know, they know that he's being triggered by them. But at the same time, like, they're kind of going like, we're going to eat you. We're cute little kids. And he's like, oh, God, I'm so scared. I hate these people. This is can't be real. I can't cope. I'm seething. <laughs> I'm Gen X for this. So uh, Lirul takes this moment to exposit. It's on TikTok, man. That magic kid. He's so on TikTok. Oh, you better believe it. Kind of make his fucking stupid little edited magic TikToks. <laughs> and he has, like, a lot of suspiciously older fangirls. Oh, yeah. So, Lyril exposits that Buma are people with animal features, some of which have enhanced strength. Whereas, what our high school prodigies are, are Huma, some of whom have magic powers. Sukasa's like, well, huh, we, we, should, we should look into magic. This is the moment that makes me go, like... I would be willing to accept a world in which, you know, uh, Prince Akatsuki is actually just straight up magic. But the fact that they want to research into magic makes me think that he's probably not supposed to really be magic. <laughs> well, at least not as far as he's telling them. Yeah, I, I guess we could have the big reveal of no, he's the reason he can do all these tricks really well is because he doesn't do tricks. He's just doing magic. He's just that <laughs> prodigy. Yeah. Well, he, he picked up the tiny glass orb that predicts how much power, you, how much magic power you have, and it glowed, and it was like, "Oh, you've got the best, the best magic." You gotta do a montage of those at some point. There's so many. There's like at least one in every two we watch. <sighs> so, before Sukasa can finish his thought about looking into magic, Winona brings out steamed potatoes, and the children <laughs> complain, even though this is a big party and everyone's been eating all sorts of food. But Winona brings out potatoes, the kids are immediately like, oh, we hate potatoes, potatoes suck. Then Tsukasa you smiles. You fucking used to it, kids. Tsukasa <laughs> smiles, and he's like, no, listen, I made mayonnaise. And Which, everyone's like, fuck, mayonnaise. Everyone loves amazing. everyone loves mayonnaise on potatoes. Mayonnaise on potatoes is pretty good. It's pretty good. Tsukasa does describe mayonnaise as being uh, as having conquered our world, which is super high school level mayonnaise. <sighs> All I'm saying is, if you end up in their worlds, like the world they came from, you should probably buy stocks in mayonnaise. I feel like uh, Masato is pumping uh, mayonnaise stocks real hard. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Apropos of nothing, there's there's a lot of apropos of nothing. Someone says something in this first episode. Apropos of nothing, Winona's like, by the way, uh, did you know about the tale of seven heroes that came here from another world and killed the evil dragon? And they and were the, like, tell me more, and they're like, that's it, that's the tale, the end. Yeah, I actually don't know the any, dragon anymore. Was so ugly that everyone died. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Her son Elk complains that the village can't afford to feed seven freeloaders. So, after hearing that, Tsukasa, like, goes to a shack or something with the other prodigies, and he's like, alright, guys, listen, here's our three things. We gotta gather information about the world, we've gotta find a way back to our world, and most importantly, uh, because these people took, uh, took care of us for a month, we've gotta repay the village by fixing their finances. <laughs> Which, you know what? I appreciate it. I appreciate that this is a series where, like, above anything else, I mean, first of all, like, the main character's like, oh, I actually do care for these people, not in a I love them, but in a I owe them a debt, and so we should probably make their lives a bit better with my un unspeakable cheat powers. Yeah, they're not even like, I like that it's not even like survivalism priority, they're like, 
Uh, we're so baller. We're good wherever we are. <laughs> but um, we kind of gotta we 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 gotta take care of the people around us. And I I think that's good. It's yeah. way more interesting. It's endearing. Plus, like, yeah. it, it's been a long time since I've seen a series where they also say, hey, we should think about going back to our worlds. We should probably figure something out. You know, maybe we should figure out if they can do like a portal or if we can like take a bus or something. It's not only the only one where they talk about getting back to the world. It's only the only ones where going back to the world comes up in more than one sentence. Like... Mm-hmm. Whether whatever decision is made, like yeah. Plus, I mean, this is a series where it is actually very important for them to get back to their world. Like, it's not a pressure cooker situation, but like, we're missing the person who does thirty percent of all financial transactions. Japan is missing their prime minister, who everyone loves. <laughs> the soldiers are they missing death. They they made him prime minister it must have made him like prime minister at age like 12 for at the first time people <laughs> fucking love this kid yeah there's probably a laundry list of people who are dying who need the world's greatest doctor to make their human lifespans a flimsy concept there are uh, uh, shotokans who need prince akatsuki for reasons <laughs> you know they, they can probably wait i don't know if we need to send akatsuki back <laughs> anyways oh man uh the first thing Ringo does, uh, the inventor girl, is she modifies their cell phones so they'll work in this world. And then she rushes over to the plane. And she's like, OK, our mini nuclear reactor is fine. We had it on here. <laughs> Just so you know, we have infinite power now. Yeah. What can possibly go wrong with installing a nuclear reactor on your extremely like fucking crashable plane? Also, uh, I noticed that our plane crashed into some ore and I could refine some aluminum from it. Uh, I can do that, but it's going to take three days, you know, three whole days to from scratch in a set like in a village that doesn't have a refinery to just, you know, make a refinery and start refining aluminum, aluminum. <laughs> the like if there's nothing else about the series, everything goes very fast because everyone is capable of doing anything immediately. <laughs> yeah. No- there's not a lot of the old Dr. Stone waiting around to figure out how you can do the thing or putting in all the effort and, you know, doing a big old one month time skip. <laughs> and later they do say the line like, oh, you know, we don't want to go too hard or we might fuck up the world, which gives me honestly is like the most responsible thing I've maybe have ever heard an isekai protagonist say. Like, Legitimately, yeah. Maybe we need to be responsible with our great powers so we don't make everything awful by introducing libertarianism to this fantasy world. (laughs) Now, I mean, I I don't remember if they ever get to libertarianism, but spoiler or not spoiler, they definitely introduce heavy capitalism to this world. (laughs) Well, the world seems like it already has feudalism, so, you know, like, Hmm. it's already there. It's fine. We already have kingdoms. At least we can maybe try to get some democracy in here. Yeah. Start with that, then maybe start getting rid of the capitalism, too. No monarchy. That might be good. Like, someone taking, like, the realization that monarchy's bad to their fantasy world also. Mm Hmm. Uh, There's... I I want to give the series the benefit of the doubt and think that they will leave it, you know, much better off. Like they will do, they will do to this world what they can't really do to the, you know, to Earth because Earth has a lot more like entrenched systems that are going on, but I feel like what they're going to do is turn this world into Japan and then leave. <laughs> so, meanwhile, some imperial knights of Frasigard are trying to get some food and booze from the village. And, you know, the village just had that big old uh, recovery feast. They don't have a lot else to do. Plus, these guys are, you know, big jerks. <laughs> so our ninja and our samurai take out most of the knights pretty instantly. And then Sukasa, again, the prime minister of Japan, a judo throws their leader onto the ground. The knights run away and scream that they're going to report the village to their feudal lord. But as, you know, as they run off, Akatsuki cuts them off and levitates in the air, something that only special Imperial mages can do. Then his head falls off and floats around the soldiers, threatening to kill them if they report the village. With glowy blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, what if, I, I think it's possible that, like, the inventor girl just built him a robot head-shaped drone doll mm. thing. 
Yeah, to be fair, there's not a lot that you that he does that can't be explained with advanced technology. Like he could have just put up an invisibility thing over the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's cheating, but yeah, <laughs> I guess that it would still count. This is such a strange scene to me because it is the big like, ah, we were able to trick them into thinking that Akatsuki is on the level of an imperial mage. But it it's not really a trick because we don't see how he did it. And this is something where they were like racing away with a big head start on horseback. And somehow he was able to get in front of them. And then like if he uses wires, set up wires. But it feels like he probably used a drone or something. But then how did he physically get past, you know, past them? How? How did this happen? How did any of this work? This is all unexplained. Uh, don't worry about it. It's fine. So, Tsukasa ends the episode with the aforementioned speech about how, yeah, we've done the impossible, but we should take it easy because if we give it our all, we'll destroy this world. <laughs> Hard cut uh. to the OP, which is... <laughs> I think it fits the series because it's very poppy. It's very, like, all, almost all the lyrics are just about waking up and doing things. <laughs> It's a lot of I woke up and I did a thing and it's, you know, I, I don't feel like I want to do anything when I wake up, but then I do it. Well, that is the kind of can-do attitude you'd expect of someone that's prime minister by age 12. <laughs> but the chorus of the song is a revolution lets you and me start a revolution. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to do on a technical level. It is, but it feels incongruous with the the theme of the rest of the song, which is sometimes I do things <laughs> like sometimes start a revolution. Things, sometimes that thing is a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm interested that the opening ending thing does show one more presumably main character in a very central focus, which is a cat girl. Yeah, we didn't get her in this episode. Seen. So, no, and she seems important. She's like right up there with the main lineup. Yeah. Also, if nothing else, this OP is distinctive because like a lot of them just have the, you know, 50 waifus in it. But because we have so many main characters, a lot of the OP is focused on giving all of them, you know, one or two scenes. Also, just want to point out for his neutral special, the prime minister of Japan wields a gun. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 he even look kind of looks like a color swapped joker if you squint i could see it actually he looks like if the main character of handshakers had a better character design mm-hmm. uh, i i really love the shot of uh ninja girl just doing a naruto run through a landscape for no reason <laughs> She's not contributing anything. Everyone else is the very Super least like high school prodigy level Naruto running. Uh, I mean, she is the epitome of if you Naruto run fast enough, the bullets won't hit you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Naruto running through the war zone. There's also an interesting shot of them like on a park bench and then like, you know, in a uh, chariot. Or, uh, that's not what that's called. Like a you know horse drawn buggy. And there's like <laughs> some sakura blossoms, but then in the background you can see like the two twin moons, and then out in the distance you can see Tokyo Tower. And I don't know if this is just a like you know we're transposing where they were with you know where they are now and where they want to go, or if we're gonna just straight up do a the world's fuse at some points, which could also happen. Or we just build Tokyo Tower in the fantasy world. Also very possible. Because, like, what could be better than Tokyo Tower? It's from Japan. Tokyo, <laughs> specifically. <laughs> what if the world had dragons, but also the Sakura Blossoms and also Tokyo Tower? <laughs> Japan is nothing if not predictable on which of its symbols it likes to shove down people's throats. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, there's a, like, near the end of the OP, there's this whole battle scene, and I genuinely could not tell you which parts of these are, like, metaphorical and which parts are literal. His gun is shooting like a giant Kamehameha. <laughs> is this a special inventor gun, or is that supposed to be just be, like, his political influence is as strong as a Kamehameha? Yeah, his His politics can beat Goku. Like, we see Samurai Girl shooting energy blasts. We see Ninja Girl throwing shuriken with, like, light around them. But that could be magic. That could just be a cool visual effect. We see Inventor Girl shooting a, a Kamehameha out of her satellite, which she may or may not have built in this world. Uh, we see them, like, floating on a meteorite. And uh, 
a magician boy smashes the ground and tears it open. There's magma inside of the meteorites exploding. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> The, the aesthetic and the general vibe of the series is something I enjoy. It's just the execution thus far and in the later episodes I've seen that does not live up to it. Like, it's a very... I, I If you describe it, it sounds really good. When you watch it, it's ha- very hard to take it seriously, even, you know, amongst the heightened uh, realism that the series asks of you. Yeah, this was this is overall a pretty fun show, though. It's so over the top. Like, yeah. it indulges in all of the tropes, but because it indulges in all of them simultaneously, it stands out by the sheer density of nonsense that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, usually people on settle on the character having a wacky eye color or heterochromia <laughs> or, like, white hair. No, all of it. Just all. It's it's so juvenile. He's just young, But at Kikashi. the same time... Oh god, please don't. At the same time, it's it's sort of nice. It's like besides that one really overly leery kissing scene, it's you know, like they're not bad people. You you can kind of get behind what they're doing. So far it seems pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently it has an actual plot and point where it's going, so that seems awesome. Yeah. Like it's the kind of series where I, I don't think I'd be able to like sit down and actually properly watch it, but it, it gives me a lot more hope than a lot of other series in that it feels like yeah. it's, it's got the big overindulgence, but also it's like it has more of a plan to it. It has more of a like, you know, we're going to hook you with the over the top stuff and then we're going to like consistently progress towards it's... a plot point. And so we're going to like, you know, do stuff. This doesn't feel like it's some. This does feel like more of a published novel. This doesn't feel like someone's first writing project. Yeah, I think that's actually really important. Plus the fact that again, the, this person started it as a uh, light novel and then put out two novels every single year for five years. Like it's so Which consistent. It sound, yeah, it makes it sound like they're an actual like novelist that has done stuff before, right? That seems like you know, oh well, what I'm gonna write this time? Oh, what if I wrote an interesting little isekai thing? Yeah, it has, not in a bad way, the feeling of someone who looked at a lot of the isekai trend and went, okay, how do I make something that people are going to really enjoy, following all of these things, but in a slightly different way? Yeah, and it's good to read something that doesn't feel like it was written by by someone in their late teens, as, like, self-insert fantasy fiction for themselves. Yeah. (sighs) Ah. So, with all of that said, uh, how spicy did you find high school prodigies have it easy, even in other worlds? Honestly, I thought it was relatively spicy for the stuff we watched, by the sheer density of it. The, like, fact that we have so many main characters is pretty different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't give us, like, a five. I feel like <laughs> the half of it, like, the characters and, like, the density and, like, a lot of the, like, format of this episode was interesting. But now if only the, like, setting and the individual characters were more interesting, it could be more spicy. Yeah. I, I'll i bump it a little higher. I'll give it a 7. Because, like, I, I feel like, you know, you cannot eat a 7-layer bean burrito and then walk away from it and say, that, you know, it was just one thing. Like, there's so much going on. And, like, by sheer amount of things and amount of tropes and amount of... Like, I I don't, like, I vaguely know how everything's gonna go, but I don't know how they'll get there for a lot of this, because they have so many options. It isn't just the, we're going to do capitalism in another world, so I'm going to solve everything via financial transactions. Like, I'm so curious as to how all of these characters are going to get some spotlight in every arc. (laughs) So, how nicey did you find High School Prodigies? Uh, This is pretty fun. It was like a six. All right. There's nothing deep in it, but, you know, it's mm-hmm. all it's all pretty funny. It's all fun. You can definitely enjoy watching the show. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a seven because, yeah, it, it seems like fun. And again, apart from the big baby birding scene, it, it isn't the kind of fun where I look at it and I'm like, oh, I don't really enjoy that I find this fun. I feel weird about this. Like, I don't feel weird about this. Yeah. It's fun. I might yeah. bump it up to nah, 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 nah. seven is reserved for shows that are good, good. <laughs> Fair. 
my 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 standards are a little looser when it comes to nicey. I if as long as something doesn't offend me, I think I I generally find it pretty fun. I definitely tend to swing around the center of the rating scale more than you. You tend to go towards the ends way easier than I do. Yeah. All right. Final one. How isekaisy was this? Uh. Uh-huh. Let's give this an earnest thought. Hmm. I mean, is there anything that's not very isekai about it? It is extremely isekai I guess we didn't see any particular scene of them getting isekai other than knowing they crashed there, so I'm gonna give this a 9. Alright. Ah. Uh, I think I'll I'll match you on that one. I'll give it a 9 as well. It, like, it really is just that, how do I put this? Like, we actually do see a fair bit of the world they are from, and it is like, you know, it's not just our world, because, you know, by virtue of them existing in it. Yeah. And it does feel, like, not fully realized. Like, we don't go into heavy depth, but we don't need to. I I got enough of it to be like, yeah, I get it. And I I really like the idea of, you know, like, I I usually I bump it up for alienation, but I appreciate that these characters are all characters where I look at them and I go like, yeah, I get why six out of seven of them don't really feel alienated by being in this world. And why they can, (laughs) you know, just kind of, like, spring to it. Yeah, yeah, it's fine, like, I like when it, like, they confront the fact, like, I'm so annoyed at, like, how matter-of-factly everyone takes getting isekai these days. Mm-hmm. Like, for for the, the fact that the series is literally, you know, they take it easy in another world, or they have it easy in another world, like, there's more confronting the fact that, you know, th- this world has troubles and that they have to, you know, ad- adjust to it a little bit than some other series that do, you know, that are trying to create more of a struggle. Well, see, this is indirect conflict. It's not a direct danger to the characters, but to characters around them, thus involving our main characters in a plot that they have active stakes in. Ah... Hmm. Crazy, I know. Okay, so that is it for the rankings. This is not a video game. We can spare the audience our Greed Island rankings. Ah, <sighs> next week it's real it's... life's not a game, man. Next week it's the familiar of zero. Ah, uh, not necessarily looking forward to that. We'll see. It's it's going to be very mid two thousands. That's for sure. Ah, and now, I guess we will see you in the mid-2000s. That's how it goes, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 